Hello and welcome to the Steve Poos Benson Podcast. It's good to come to you here today. It is a beautiful Sunday summer afternoon. I have changed up my recording place. I'm not in the basement of my house. I'm actually in the Fireside Chapel here at Columbine United Church. You know, the cool thing for me is I have my trusty snowball microphone, my Macintosh laptop computer, my iPad where I store all my notes, and if I have these three things, I can record anywhere. So I decided to take some time to record here coming from the church, and boy, the church has changed. The place is empty, empty, empty. Outside the Fireside Chapel where we have the studio set up to record on Sunday mornings, there is nothing in this building. It is blankets empty. Let the renovation begin. Well, you know, the purpose of this podcast, as I, as I share every week, is I want to share with you the thoughts and ideas that I have rumbling around in my own brain hoping that it might spark your own imagination. I want to tie into your own ambitions. I want to fuel your purpose and your desire to live. And hopefully by the 20, 30 minutes that we get to spend together, that you will walk away with something, something that empowers you in your life and living. So pop in your earbuds, go for a walk, do the dishes, set some uh, a chair up in the backyard and grab a glass of iced tea, and let's spend some time together. Now, today I was going to give you part two of my two-part series dealing with uh, the theft of my identity, but I've decided I want to change that up. Uh, in part, it's because due to all the racial unrest that it is going through uh, are ripping across our country. I really feel somehow I need to respond to that. And I'll pick up the second part of the story next week. But today, I've just got to deal with the racial unrest. I will feel as though if I don't say something about this, that I'll be uh, skipping out on my responsibility. Uh, I'll be missing, you know, I have so many thoughts about this that if I want to stick with my purpose of this podcast, I need to share with you my thoughts and feelings. Because, I mean, there's been a lot of pain in our country being expressed with the murder of George Floyd at the hands of the, the police in Minneapolis. I mean, what a tragic thing. I just, oh, my heart is just torn by all the pain that's being expressed by the African-American community. A lot of anger and rage and outcry. And I feel as though, you know, we need to say, we need to say something. And there's a lot of people who are saying things, but I want to chime in. I want to share with you my thoughts. Now, you know, I am not a protester. Um, I am not someone who is out on the streets marching and protesting. That's just not who I am. I am um, someone who usually stands in the back. I do a lot of thinking and reading and praying and meditating. So I just want to share with you some of uh, my thoughts on, on this. And what I've decided is that for me, this is very similar to the challenges that we are facing with school shootings. And that if we're ever going to end racial violence, we have to look in the mirror and say that the solution is already staring us in the face. You know, many of you know that I have dedicated myself to ending school shootings. You know, I have marched, I have rallied, I have spoken, I have prayed, I have gathered together in groups, I have literally done anything and everything I can do to 
end school shootings, to bring an end to school shootings. And when I was studying there, or studying and reflecting on the racial crisis of the past week, I thought to myself, there's so many parallels between this. There's so many parallels between this. And that my way of coming to understand a solution to the racial crisis is to understand how we bring an end to the school shootings. So, you know, you know, the only blessing for me about having the schools out of the COVID-19 crisis is there hasn't been a single school shooting. I mean, praise goodness, praise God that there is a kind of a silver lining in this is we don't have our kids shooting one another. Man, so... You know, for me, it goes back to the STEM school shooting. After the STEM school shooting over in Highlands Ranch, I said, you know, that's it. This has just got to come to an end. We have got to take the steps to finding a way to bring an end to school shootings. And, you know, very similar to the racial unrest that's going on right now is what happens after every time there's a school shooting, there's a lot of protests about how this will never happen again. And then, you know, what happens is that eventually complacency returns. And then we wait until the next shooting happens. And we say, this will never happen again. Things have got to change. Nothing ever changes. No laws are passed. Nothing ever changes. We go back waiting for the next school shooting to happen. Well, after the STEM school shooting, I said, that's it. Never again. I have got to find a way to take the next step. So I put out an announcement uh, to, for anybody who wanted to find a solution to school shootings to gather at the church on a Tuesday evening with the sole purpose of finding a way to, again, ending school shootings. And there were 80 of us that joined, people from not only Columbine, but from around the community. And we were gathered and we, will, we were filled with passion, we had intention, we had energy, we had a dose of anger. We were ready to give it our all to end school shootings. You know, we set an agenda of things we wanted to accomplish, people to talk to, groups to visit, everything we could think of to empower us in our work. You know, I kept on thinking there has to be one more thing that we can do, that maybe we are missing something a key ingredient that will help us bring an end to the scourge of school shootings. You know, so we dove in. We read, we interviewed, uh, we talked with the principal at Columbine High School, we talked to the sheriff's departments, we read reports, we read anything, and we talked about anything we, we could do. We talked about, we brought in mental health workers, we talked about teen violence and teen suicide rates, on and on and on. And here's the amazing thing for me that I didn't uh, that I didn't know was going to be there is that we discovered that there is so much that is already being done. I mean, I was blown away with this. Schools are working with sheriff's departments, which are working with the FBI. There is vast training for administrators and teachers and janitors. Literally anybody who works with kids is made aware of how to identify at-risk kids and what to do when you identify these kids. You know, you look at everything that's been done, and I would ask myself, you know, how did these school shootings happen? It's as if everything possible is in place to prevent school shootings, and yet there is a nano percent of disturbed kids who bring hatred and murder to their peers and teachers and and administrators, you know, 
I found it baffling wondering what it is to do next. I mean, literally, there is this web in place to keep school shootings from happening, yet this teeny tiny percent of, of kids murder other kids, administrators, and teachers. There's got to be a solution. So we dove in, and we found that this is hard work that uh, the 80 people who initially showed up dwindled all the way down to 15 to 20, sometimes only 12 people showed up, you know, because we realized this is not easy work bringing an end to school shootings. This was going to take a lot of work. And the answer came very clearly to us when the principal of Columbine High School said that if we really wanted to end school shootings, we needed it to begin with the kids in our own lives. He said kids need adults who will love them and care about them as fellow human beings. He said we would need to wrap them in a net of security that lets them know that nothing will happen to them that will be beyond our ability as adults to love and care about them. He said we'll need to get to know kids by name. We'll need to get to know what interests them. We get to know what pains them, what they're curious about, and what they're hopeful for. We'll need to hear what their view of their future is. We'll need to hear them talk about what they believe is wrong with the world and is wrong with schools. It, it starts with listening. And in short, we have to see uh, kids as valuable children of God, no different than us as adults. He said, you know, sometimes that, that, divi that division that we bring into the conversation between, you know, adults and kids is not helpful. It's important for them to know that there are adults who care about them, but they need to be seen as equal citizens in the kingdom of God who have just the same rights as adults do to have their need, needs met. And so we had to dive in, and we had to do the hard work. And we realized that at Columbine United Church that we already had kids right in front of us. We didn't need to go looking for children. We had children in our youth and in our, uh, our Sunday school and our high school groups. We, we had kids that we could get to know. And so we started setting up meetings for kids and adults to come together. And you know what happened? Initially, we had a great turnout. We had a great turnout of adults getting to know the kids. But slowly, slowly it dwindled down. The interest dwindled down until by the end of the, um, of the school year, or maybe in the beginning of the COVID crisis, we had a couple of events and hardly any adults showed up. And I, you know, I was concerned. It's like, gosh, here we go again. If we want to find a solution to school shootings, it takes a commitment on the long term by adults, by concerned adults to dedicate themselves to getting to know our kids. So in a nutshell, that's what I learned with um, that's what I learned with the school shootings and how to bring a school shooting. So now, how does all this relate to the racial crisis facing our country? Okay, so there are a tons of similarities. For me, there is at least. Just there is a school scores of school shootings, so is there the school scourge of racial violence. 
You know, after every school shooting, there are protests and marches and rallies and statements. This will never happen again. People petition, you know, the White House after the shooting in um, in Florida. Oh, my gosh, look at all the protests that happened around the United States. And uh, the young people led the way and they petitioned at the White House and Congress. And yet they they went on and then slowly it lost its momentum and the fervor died down and it all went away until the next school shooting. I think, you know, the same is with the racial crisis. You know, we're angry right now. We are protesting. We are marching. There are speeches and people are doing countless things. They're watch, marching on, you know, in Washington, D.C. They're marching in, in Philadelphia and Minneapolis and Miami, they're marching here in the metropolitan Denver and San Diego. I mean, cities across the United States, they're marching and protesting. But mark my words, within a few weeks, we'll go back to life as it was until the next tragic death of an African-American person at the hands of a white police officer will happen. And you know what? We'll all throw our hands up and we'll say, what are we going to do? What is it going to take to bring an end to the scourge of the death of young black Americans at the hands of white police officers? What can be done? And I believe there is a ton that can be done. There is so much that we can do. You know, for me, I want to speak as a white male. I am a white privileged male. I live in an upper middle class home. I have a beautiful wife. I've got three children. All of my kids went to college. Uh, they have a bright, shining future in front of them. You know, I have a, a high degree of education. I went to a great college, a great seminary, a great doctoral program. You know, I have, I live in a, uh, work in a great congregation. It is a white congregation. We're in a white suburb. But I tell you, from this position of privilege, I tell you, there is so much we can do. Just like in school shootings, there is so much we can do. And here are a few things that I want to just present that we can do. You know, it begins with education. It begins by understanding how white people we live in a privileged society. And I know that this is hard for so many white people to understand, that uh, we live in a privileged society. You know, we have so many blessings to us that come to us because we are white people. We have uh, white colleges and white schools. We have white education systems. We have white communities and white neighborhoods. You know, and there is so much privilege that comes with being a white person in our society today. And I know that uh, many people, white people, don't like to hear this. They don't like to look at the fact that there is white privilege in the middle of our community and that maybe we are a part of the problem. You know, I believe that part of the solution is that we need to take serious the whole notion that black lives matter. I know that a lot of people in the white community don't like that. They don't like hearing that black lives matter. You know, they want to say that all lives matter. Well, of course, 
all lives matter. I think people in the African-American community would agree with that. All lives matter. But what they're trying to say is that there's something that needs to be said that black lives matter. They believe they need to believe that they have a right to speak and to say and to be a part of the American society. We need to hear them say that black lives matter. And we as white Americans, we need to be able to agree. Yes, your black lives matter as much as our white lives matter. And we want to do everything in our power to show you that your life matters as much as ours. You know, Moving on, I, I would encourage you to take a look at what kind of training police officers are put through as it comes to racial profiling and dealing with racial issues. You know, I, I, want, I bet that much like in school shootings, we will find that there is so much that's already being done. I would imagine that the training police officers, officers go through on racial issues is intense. But just like in school shootings, there's got to be a nano percent of cops that are intent upon their racism, and with anger and violence, they bring death and pain to the entire community. You know, one of the things that I've learned about school shootings is that they are indicative of a greater problem within our culture. You know, I believe we are addicted to violence and we project that to our kids. Our kids are a mirror of us. Our kids act in violent ways because we are violent. You know, I see. I believe it's the same way with police shooting uh, and uh, killing of uh, young African American uh, young people. This is indicative of a greater problem within our society. This is not only about fixing bad cops. This is about a systemic problem within our society. Every time a black person is killed at the hands of a white police officer, it tells us there is a bigger problem at bay that needs to be dealt with. And I, for one, want to, to bring an end, end to this. I'm tired of the oppression of black people by white people. I'm tired of racism. I want it to come to an end. So I believe the healing of the racial issues, issues are very similar to healing the wounds of school shootings. You know, for me, it begins by coming to know that all people are children of God regardless of color. It begins by being committed to getting to know people of color by name. We get to know their hopes, their dreams, their worries, their aspirations. You know, as people of faith, we must be committed to the highest ideal of creating an equal society where all people are welcome at the table of God. And then doing, we need to take the next step by just more than just doing theology and doing philosophy and knowing we have to change. We have to change. You know, like I become perplexed that we are a white congregation in a white burb. You know, a mile down the road, we have an intermixed, uh, racially intermixed neighborhood. And yet we we can't find a way to break the racial barrier at Columbine United Church. How are we going to do this? It takes determined action to bring an end to this. You know, just like with school shootings, we just can't pass another law thinking that we found a solution. No, the solution lies with us and our desire to create a society where all people can live and having equal access to justice, freedom, and the abundance of God's grace. You know, I had a conversation with uh, Noel East, our minister of music here at Columbine, 
And when he describes himself as a black man with dreads, I love that, raised in Jamaica, black man with dreads, working in a white congregation, Columbine United Church. And we talked after the shooting um, or the, the, the murder of, of, um, of the man in Minneapolis and about the other men that had been killed at the hands of police officers. And Joe said, there is never a day where he, as a black man, doesn't constantly look over his shoulder at his back. He's always watching his back. You know, and I have a ton of respect for Joseph, and he's so talented and gifted. You know, I don't want him living in a society where he can't trust his back. He can't trust that his back is safe. You know, I don't want him living in a society where he can't raise his beautiful daughter, Aria, knowing that she is a beloved child of God and that she will have equal access to all the goodness that our society has to offer. You know, this can only come about as if white Americans and as white privileged Americans come to understand that we are a part of the problem. And if there's going to be a solution, it has to be us. It has to start with our own lives. It has to start with our own beliefs. It has to start with our own actions. And within weeks, the riots will die down. The protests will cease. But I pray that life will not return to normal. Hopefully, George Floyd will not have died in vain. Hopefully, there will never be another school shooting. But for these things to happen... I realize it's not going to be up to someone else to solve the problem. I have to be able to look in the mirror and begin with me. So maybe, maybe there's a dream out there, Martin Luther King's dream, that someday people will come together to form a greater nation, a greater kingdom of God. And maybe, just maybe someday, Kids will go to school, and they won't have to worry about their safety. And parents can send their kids to school without worrying about, will their kid come home? Just like African-American parents worry about their kids going out in public, will they come home? You know what? It's time to create a society where everybody can live at peace and come home safely. And it begins with us. If there's going to be a change, it begins with us. All right, that's my thoughts today for the Steve Poos Benson podcast. Again, I hope uh, this has sparked your own thoughts and your own imaginations. It is great to come to you here today. Next weekend, I will pick up with uh, part two of my earlier podcast. As always, I hope that we can connect on different platforms. You can go to my blog, Cowboy Jesus. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. You can read my my um, website, www.stephenpoosbenson.com. See the books that I'm selling. A lot of different ways for us to connect. As always, may peace and grace and blessing fill your lives. Enjoy your day. <music>